Hello, everyone. We are live, episode 51 of the Fitness Business Growth Podcast. I'm here with James Kent. How are you, mate? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Mate, two-time guest. Lucky you. <laughs> Very lucky me. Mate, the last time I saw you was actually at my wedding day. And what I don't want to talk about is how emotional I was at the ceremony. Because on the inside, like a I'm, a, I'm, a big, I'm, a, I'm a big softie. <laughs> She walked down the aisle. Day, she walked down the aisle, and her mum was the pastor. And I just, I couldn't help myself. I lost it. Yeah, dude, I, I did the same at mine. I totally get what you got, what, what you're yeah. going through. I almost swore during the ceremony. <laughs> I was just I'm pretty sure you did swear. You actually swore <laughs> yeah. a few times. Yeah. So there's, there's a few. Yeah, her mum was like, "Did you swear?" I'm like, "Nah, nah, it wasn't <laughs> me." Yeah. But mate, since then, uh, you're back in Noosa. How is it beautiful far north Queensland? Or you're mid, uh, you're mid Queensland or southeast South Queensland? East. Man, Queensland's a big state. It's actually southern Queensland. Southern yeah. Queensland. Yeah. So it was a cyclone in Cairns and a heat wave in southern Queensland. Mm. Yeah, it's been warm. It's been very warm. So I got very a crispy warm. tan now. <laughs> well, mate, I had you on before and we spoke about, I guess, your journey growing JCF. What I brought you on today to talk about, mate, is goal setting and high performance because you have worked with some high performing human beings. So, James, before I start every podcast, I want to try and explain to you why would anyone listen to your opinion on this topic? Don't, don't, don't it's a terrible don't, idea. It's a terrible idea. Anything I've ever said, yeah. But how many men have you coached? What are some of the results you've seen? What, uh, how does it, what level of, not level of human being, I'll, I'll say what level yeah, of business. Only high, none of the low level ones. Yeah. <laughs> what level of business owner have you coached in regards to revenue and, and what type of results have you seen from improving performance in regards to that generating to revenue growth in the business? Yeah, yeah. No, we've, um, uh, we, we, I coached, geez, I think it was six and a bit thousand guys. Um, there's a lot, a lot of guys over about 10, a 10 year period. Um, there's myself and my team. And then I I worked with not a low level guys, as Jamie said before. Yeah. No, only uh, I worked with a lot of really high performers, um, high performers in in a whole bunch of different ways. I would have been your poorest client in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we had some guys that were on, on on dire straits, and actually we had a lot of fun with those guys as well. We we I used to coach a lot of guys that were going through divorces, so obviously there's not a lot a lot of cash going around then. Uh, we had a lot of guys that have just come out of drug addiction and stuff like that. So it's not all financial. It's just the thing that I define about a high performer is someone who just wants to be better. Um, I think society views success as like the material success. And that's what we put like, do you have, you know, abs, are you fucking rich and drive a Mercedes C63, very sexy car, by the way. Um, you know, like, do you, do you have all the, all the shit on the outside? But the thing that I think that really defines a high performer is the relentless pursuit of being better. I've got, we've got a, a client I was catch, catching up with this morning, one of my favorite clients I've ever worked with. Um, and, you know, he's not, he doesn't have millions of dollars. He's not shredded or jacked or anything like that. But he was on antidepressants for 23 years and was an alcoholic and totally depressed in a miserable marriage. And he left that marriage. He's off the antidepressants and he doesn't drink anymore. And he's down 33 kilos. That's a high performer. So I've got so guys like that. Yeah. So he struggled for 23 years. He, 23 years, yeah. Did he seek help? externally before speaking to you yeah. or what sorry heaps heaps, heaps. heaps man Dude, like the standard thing like you see anyone on on antidepressants like um most most of them go to gps go to shrinks go to all that sort of stuff and they just get here's a fucking script here's another pill good luck that'll fix you up right 
meanwhile, they haven't done anything about the fucking childhood shit that he's been through or his relationship with his wife or any of so that sort before of stuff. our podcast, yeah. I like to do a bit of research. Even though we're friends, I still went back to high-performance conversations. Bring it back, by the way, mate. Yeah. And I listened to a few episodes that you were talking with, a few high-performers, and you said something really interesting, that you were going down the medical science path, that you were really disenfranchised with the medical system. You mentioned script, here's this, here's that. What led you to to believe that? And what did you experience before you went, nah, fuck this, there's a better way? Dude, uh, one of the key things was, um, was a, I trained a client. There's a dude who was 23, 24, and he was obese. Um, his mother had anorexia while he was in the womb. Um, there's like a condition called, I think they call it the, the Dutch famine disease or something like that. But pretty much they had like, a, a, in, in um, the, the Dutch had a, had a famine back however many years ago. And it caused all these babies who grew up during the famine to become obese and highly insulin resistant. Their hormones are all fucked up, all that sort of stuff. Um, and, and it's like a well-known thing that if you're in the womb and your mother's starving, you get this survival response, which is to hold on to food, right? It's just this severe starvation response. And you live with that for most of your life, most of the time. And he had exactly that. And I remember taking him in to see uh, an endocrinologist because I was really pushing for this dude to get some help and actually fix this. Cause like, this is what you got hundred percent go in there and this bitch of a fucking thing um she was sorry i'm swearing a bit but no, this, this woman was very passionate about this um this woman was just awful then one of them you know those women that you meet and not just women just people that you meet right and you look at them and you're like what happened you know like what what happened so wrong in your life like you got hit by the ugly branch you got hit by the fat <laughs> branch and you also got beaten by the you're a prick branch as well like all of them like she got the trifecta um, and, uh, and we go in and we see her and she pretty much on the spot diagnoses him with a pituitary tumor. Now you got a kid. He's, what is it? 24, 25, something like that. He's 24. He's obese. No self-confidence. Anxious. Depressed. Right? The whole lot. Low testosterone, everything. And you go tell that kid without a single freaking scan, you got a pituitary tumor. And I was yeah, like, how up. can you do this? And then I had to go and look after him and try and keep him from not necking himself, you know, for however long afterwards. Not that he actually, I think he would have done it, but he's trying to keep him up yeah. because you just told him he's got cancer. What and was the delivery like? He didn't have cancer. It was exactly what I said that it was. And I looked at this, I was like, how is it that me into my what, third year of medical science, I think it was at the time, how can I get this diagnosis wrong? You've done 15 years of study. You're in your mid-40s. You have no idea what to do. You're on a power trip. You're on an ego trip. You're an awful human being. How on earth does that work? I should be wrong and you should be right. And then I was like, I saw a couple more things very similar after that. In fact, like I've been seeing that crap for the last 10 years. I still see it to this day. And I think, how can you guys profess to be the experts when you are so often more wrong than what you are right and the advice that you give is so incredibly damaging um that was why i decided not to pursue medicine and, and to instead yeah. do what i do and funnily yeah, I, enough spent 10 years fixing up all the fuck-ups from a lot of doctors yeah i think when people see experts they forget that it's a job for them it's not their passion it's not their their, their, their why they, the reason why they live and they're having a bad day at home, fight with their husband, kids are pissing them off. You go in there, you need that person in that moment to have the best bedside manner of all time. And they say, you've got cancer. So yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm running late for my next patient. Yeah, yeah, got to go. Yeah, it's, there's so many of them. But I, and I'm so glad that I didn't go down that path because I'd just be like another debt-trapped, miserable doctor 
right? Who's working in a job they probably hate. I mean, you got to feel for the doctors, right? Can you imagine when you're 18 making a decision, signing yourself up for what, $150,000 of debt and 10 years of study, you get out on the other end, you're like, fuck, I don't actually like this. I want to go pick flowers, you know? And it's like, well, you're stuck because the sunk cost fallacy. Um, So I do feel for them, but it's just a broken system. I didn't want to be a part of it. And I'm so much happier now. Geez, what we get to do, particularly with WeFlex, is just cool, super cool. So you started coaching men and women or just men? Uh, I started off coaching men and women to begin with. Yeah, Um, I really liked coaching women. Um, um, But then we ended up really specializing in in men. Um, I found women were really interesting. Women are complex beings, right? I'm not just talking emotionally. Like we're both married. We can can talk about that. They're complex beings. Mate, Ellen Ellen had me walking around in the cyclone because she was bored. I'm like, we can't go outside. Like I'll I'll send you videos, just her in the umbrella, just hammering down rain. Complex. complex, very complex, yeah. And so, I think, I think up- her fear was that if I'm inside, I'm going to be doing work, so we've got to get outside. That's a valid fear. That is a valid fear. <laughs> yeah. Correct too. Like, yeah, 100%. But no, I, we, we moved into into really specializing in men. The most fun I ended up having was, and still is, is, is coaching men. Um, and, and it's partly because I believe that women really need a female coach. You need to be coached by somebody who you want to be like. And I hope no women want to be like me. Um, like that would be very sad if you did. And and I I really think that, that they need that. And I also think that the best part of a woman is being feminine. Um, and I don't think I'm very feminine. I'm not good with that stuff. No. And El- so El- if Ellen was coached by you, should be eating one kilo steaks. Walking around with the top off all the time. Shred, shredded and jacked. Yeah, pinning you down for sex. Like all that. That'd be horrible. Um, yeah. yeah. All, all that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, she'd be telling you to, to, to work, stay at home, look after the kids as she goes out and conquers the world. And I don't think that's necessarily So something thing. really interesting then, you want to be coached by people that you want to, to be like. Yeah. And people that you aspire to be like. So at the point you were an IFBB pro bodybuilder and people would reach out to you because they wanted to, to lose body fat and build muscle. And your conviction behind what you were saying because you looked the way you looked. And I, I that's one of my deepest beliefs is in like, if you're going to coach someone, I like to think that you, you have walked the walk first. Totally. We have to like, let's, let's look at this and let's break it down really logically. So in order to look a certain way, you have to do a certain set of things. So it's not just about like when you hire a coach, it's not just that that guy's shredded and jacked. He must be able to help me out with fat. If he's shredded and jacked, three times divorce and broke as fuck, do you really want to learn that dude's secrets to life? Like, really? You want to find somebody who's actually got everything that you want, not just one thing. Because remember, any one area of life impacts the rest of it. Let's look at you and like with business coaching, right? Married, you know, happily. Right, I hope you're still happy. Yeah, one one month, <laughs> one, one month, month. right? Happily married, right? You got an awesome house. You're doing well financially. You got a great set of businesses. You got a bunch of cool friends. You got a you know awesome part. Like you've got all the stuff that somebody who wants that um, has. And so, therefore, if that's the life that you're looking for, go for it. If yeah. you want to be a workaholic, then maybe you're not the best coach <laughs> to go for someone who wants to sacrifice everything, work 20 hours a day and be fucking miserable. That's probably not the best thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where like, it's now, now going down the route of values. Like what do you actually value? hundred percent. 2012, Jamie, James, all he wanted to do was to buy the cups of brown rice to microwave. 
That was like my level of success. Like I can pay $2.50. I can put it in the microwave. It's done in 60 seconds and I've made it. <laughs> that was literally my thought. 100%. Oh, man, I remember paying for Guzman and Gomez out of a change jar and none of my friends, they saw me bring out the change jar. This is when I was at uni. They saw me bring it out and they're like, no, nah, I can't do this. All of them left. And so I was there counting out with like silver coins, yeah. <laughs> paying for $12 and for In Brie. 2015, mate, I upgraded to my muscle chef and I haven't looked back. <laughs> So, mate, I want to go into what today's podcast topic is really about, and it's goal setting, and I want to ask you a loaded mm. question. Do people inherently know how to set goals? Uh, I don't think people know inherently how to set the right goals, um, and they, they routinely set the wrong. Setting a goal is easy, but is that goal actually applicable to you or not? That's very different, um, and, and this is the distinction. Uh, you want to set a goal which is in alignment with, with what you want. This is why you get so many men and women who wake up one day in their 40s and realize, I'm miserable. I hate my life. I hate my wife. I hate my husband. I hate my job. I hate this. I hate that. What happened? And it's because you've pursued a bunch of goals that weren't in alignment with what I call the summit. The summit is your big true goal. It's a combination of your health, wealth, relationships, and to a degree, your spirituality and your purpose in life. What do you hear on this, you know, this big meteorol that's flying through space? Um, and, and looking at how do I achieve all of those things? And, and I'll, I'll expand on that a little bit. Um, for example, with health goals, everyone wants to be shredded and jacked. Um, but do you want to do the things? Are you willing to do the things that, that get you there and allow you to be there? So maybe instead of aiming for 6% body fat, you should probably be aiming for 10%. Because if you're aiming for 6% body fat, that means that you're not going to be able to get as much time with your kids and not, not going to be able to spend as much time with your wife, which obviously increases your risk of divorce and so on and so forth. So it's like looking at your health goals, but then also looking at your relationship goals. Who do you want to be around, right? Do you want to be able to see your parents before they die? Um, you know, it's crazy. I had a client of mine who worked out he was probably only going to see his mum 23 more times before she died right which is a really yeah. weird thought and so yeah, i think that, it's, it's jesse is that like that's uh, his name is he had that saying where like well like if you see your parents twice a year you haven't got 10 years with them you've got 20 more visits yeah and what a perspective change totally it's completely different and you look at that each time you visit them how many hours do you actually spend with them four so you 20 more visits you've got 80 hours left you that's, have effectively like three and a bit days left with your parents that's it. And so looking at your relationships, you know, what do you want to do? And then looking at also your wealth goals. Um, I can tell you right now that if you have an imbalance between any of these three, if you're not healthy, if your relationships aren't good, or if your wealth isn't good, you can have the other two sweet. But if one of them is out, you'll be fucking miserable. Right? And you'll be waking up one day. I'll tell you what, there's no one I know in the world, right, that is dirt poor and he's actually happy about it right being rich won't make you happy but being poor is a shortcut to misery right and so we need to have a realistic goal of like what are we actually going to hit with our wealth where are we going to be and then once you have these goals as well as also looking at your purpose so looking at the way that you're going to make the money make your money looking at the things that you're going to do that is greater than you what are you actually going to give and contribute to society how are you going to how are you going to give forward people say give back i hate give back the reason being is because give back implies that you've taken too much uh, give forwards what are you going to create right what are you going to build for this for this awesome world um and so making a, a combination of all four of those areas within your life that is how you set a real goal and that is how when you reach that goal and you get there 
that's how you know, fuck, this is awesome. Instead of constantly having to strive for the next thing because the goal you've set is shallow and it doesn't quite scratch the itch. Type A personalities, dopamine driven. Yep. I want revenue. I want profit. What is the biggest mistake you see those type of individuals make when it comes to forming their summit or, or what they want to accomplish? Yeah, they just don't. Um, they just don't form a summit. They just say, I want to make $10 million. Why? Because I feel good. What do you mean? I'll buy a new car, new car and a nice house. Cool. Is your wife still going to be with you? <laughs> like, does she want to stick around? You know, do your kids give a fuck whether you got 10 million or five? Um, you know, are you okay with being a fat motherfucker for the rest of your life? You cool with that? You know, mm. and so setting these arbitrary goals that don't mean anything. If you're going to make 10, mil- 10 million, awesome, right? I'm going for a lot more than 10 million, right? But I have a reason for that. There's a very specific thing and series of things that I want to be able to do. And so having... And, and the- main, what are those things? What is, what is the number, if you don't mind sharing, and what are those things that you want to accomplish? And what uh, do you want to give forward? Yeah, yeah. So, so it's a large number. It's in 10 figures. Um, and in terms of the things that I want to be... And by the way, everyone says a billion is a lot of money. It's really not. By the time that we're old, right? And we're 80, you look at how many times money doubles and compounds and whatnot. Billions, not very much money, right? So people want to make their first $10,000. You're talking about billions with a B. That is going to annoy people just by saying that. Oh, totally. But then you look at at them, then there are going to be billionaires who are going to be looking at trillionaires. Like Musk has got a net worth of like, what, 300 million, 300 billion, something like that. You know, like he's going to be a trillionaire soon. It's it's relative. You get to $10,000. If you're listening, you're looking to get to your first $10,000. You'll get there soon enough. And then when you get to 10,000, you'll be like, oh, it's not really that much money. And then you look at, oh, I need to make 100,000. You get to 100,000, you're like, it's really not that much. Yeah. Have you seen how much a mortgage costs a million dollars today? $10,000 yeah, totally. isn't enough. Oh, it's not much. Right? It's not much. A million, five million, 10 million. None of it's like a lot, right? Particularly when you, when you get there, your perspective changes. Um, and you'll all see that. I mean, it's totally unrelatable for some people. I get that. Um, but uh, you'll get there, right? You will. You, you just hang around different people and you just, you feel poor again. Like you really, you really do. hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. Yeah. I've, I've hung around some big dick swingers and, uh, and they're doing large, large sums and it just becomes normal. You know, like pretty much every single person in my network's like a multimillionaire. It's everyone that I hang around. It's just normal. And I can tell you right now, they're nothing special, right? I mean, like they're special, they're cool guys, but there's nothing that's substantially better about these people than the other person who's only got a hundred grand to the name or 10 grand to the name or whatever. Um, there's nothing different. They've just done a set series of things better than what somebody else has done. There's no different difference in quality in person. So 10 figures, billion with a B, what yeah. do you want to give forward? What is, what is that summit for you? Yeah, so like I looked through and was like, what do I actually need? I love my house, right? So I live in my house. I, I fucking love my house. Got to, it needs to get a little bit bigger. Need to maybe buy next door or something. Who knows? But um, but like I love love my house. Um, I want to be able to have my family grow up around me. So I want to buy a bunch of houses in the neighborhood or just nearby, so that you know when my old man you know gets more senile, right? Um, he'll hate hate hearing me say that. But uh, you know, as he gets old, you know, I can put him in. He doesn't have to go to a nursing home. He can be here. Um, and you know, my kids, you know, when they get older, um, you know, I'm going to arrange a marriage for Layla and then they're going to live next door and that's going to be perfect. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be able to have my, my kids like live around me, um, and, and make it so that 
uh, you know, Soph. Soph is really charitable. Soph is like my wife's just like the ultimate mum, amazing mum, beautiful wife. And I just want to be able to facilitate her doing a lot of stuff with with charity. Um, she gets involved with like local churches, local you know, community groups and stuff like that and just facilitate her being able to do that. Um, you know, there's, there's a heap of cool stuff that she's done uh, in, in, in that. Um, and then really from there, it, it just goes on into number one, me being able to buy a bunch of businesses, um, you know, just recently with WeFlex, uh, WeFlex is an incredible business. And what we do is we uh, find people with disability or people with disability find us. And then we go out and we find them a personal trainer and we train that personal trainer on how to actually care and look after somebody with disability. Um, because a lot of people with disability can't get personal trainers because PT say, oh, no fucking way. And fair enough. It's scary if you don't know what you're doing because you probably haven't dealt with someone with autism or someone who's blind or someone who's deaf. I hadn't before this. Um, and so learning actually how to look after these people appropriately and see what their support needs are. Um, so doing, doing stuff like that, coming into, into businesses like WeFlex that are really, really cool. And uh, in, since being in WeFlex, we've had some tremendous growth and the impact of it is huge. Like most people with a disability, so the average age of someone with a, with a psychosocial disability um, or autism or something along those lines, the average life expectancy is 52 years of age. Now you think that doesn't make sense. Because there's no physical reason that they should only make 52 when the average Australian life expectancy is like 84. Why is there this gap? And there is a gap because the people who have these these disabilities, uh, they simply die of preventable health issues over and over. And there's no reason for them to be getting 32 years less life than what they should be getting. What is their potential? So they're dying from things like diabetes, heart disease, the typical conditions Obesity, that people are out of shape. sedentary lifestyle, all that yeah. sort of stuff. So That's it's got nothing it. to do with their, their disability. It is a fact no. that they live an unhealthy lifestyle due to the fact that, that they're told not to do anything. Yeah. Well, if you look at someone with autism, I mean, there's... You meet one person with autism, you know one person with autism. You don't understand autism. Autism is such a broad spectrum and it's, there's so much variation within it. But if you look at the common factors in there, a lot of people with autism find things difficult socially. Not all, but a lot do. And they often you know, find it harder to go to places with louder noises, large sensory inputs, um, you know, places like gyms. And so with that, they don't exercise because it's way more comfortable and I feel way safer to just go and play on my computer, um, for example. That's what a lot of kids that we've worked with have, have done. And so when they start coming and working with us, all of a sudden, they get a friend. And then one from one friend comes two, two comes five, five comes ten, and so on and so forth. And so they're actually social. And then, hey, maybe the world... Forgive my ignorance. With someone with with autism, if they start working with a personal trainer, they make a friend, they're in louder environments, does exposure therapy work for them where they become more comfortable? 100%. So it's not like like they're scared of loud environments or they're not. We can expose them with the right level to get them, I guess, back into society or to to be more a part of society. Yeah, look, one one thing is if you you met one person with autism, you met one person with autism. Like that's 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 it. You can't we can't generalize on it because there's so much variation. But yeah, like to to an extent, depending on the person, there from what we see, there are a lot of kids, a lot of, a lot of adults as well, who when they start with WeFlex, all of a sudden there's this huge cascade of confidence, of capability, 
of just being able to go out and live their life the way that they actually want to instead of being confined to a room. So with WeFlex, do the majority of people with autism, do they reach out to you? Oh, it's a silly question because you met one person, you met one person. Yeah. Is it more the carers that organize it or is it the – do you feel like the autistic person is wanting help, wanting to do stuff, but they just don't trust the typical trainer? Like where do you feel like the, the barrier is and where what, what does WeFlex bridge? So the bar- so the, the, the people with disability want this, right? We have applications coming through the the route. It's crazy, like how many we get every single day. Um, the main barrier is that there's no people who do this well, right? WeFlex only do it, and um and the NDIS is a complex beast. So we we deal with NDIS, um and. Uh, in that there's a lot of reforms going on. So at the moment, um, there's a heap of dodgy shit and a rotting of the NDIS. And credit to the government because that is one hell of a system and they are fixing every single problem. They're doing a phenomenal job with it. Um, but one of the things that's happening is that there are personal trainers who say, oh, yeah, I can look after someone with autism who have no fucking idea what they're doing and no care either. They're just in it for a cash grab because it's yeah. an easy Well, climb. I've done 10,000 hours of group training on the floor. I wouldn't have a fucking clue. No, why would I? No, why would you? And so that's where WeFlex, the way that we train our personal trainers, the systems we have, the support systems we have ongoing, that's what we provide that nobody else does. And you see there's a bunch of people. There's this one dude who sells franchises um, for, for the, selling franchises to PTs to um, you know go and coach people on the NDIS. First of all, do not fucking do that. It's a terrible idea. We'll give you the clients for free. Right, that's mate, don't, mate, don't get me started on franchises. Oh, and it's such a scam, mate, I'm, man. I'm, I'm, I'm at a crossroads. Do I go scorched earth or do I keep uh, my mouth shut? Dude, it's so bad. Scorched earth, fuck them. Um, but like, I look at this. And the other thing too is all these franchises, they're not going to be able to build to the NDIS in a year because they're making everyone become a registered provider. So regulations coming in essentially. So it's like there's... There's no delivery of anyone good. And that's why WeFlex is great. And that's why we're doing so well and why I'm pushing it so hard because we're already nationwide. We've already got thousands of customers who are, who are you know, coming in and chatting to us and it's just going up every single week. Um, and finally, WeFlex is actually filling a gap. And it's cool too because all personal trainers have a gap in the middle of the day because most people work from, from nine till five, whereas people with a disability have all the time in the world throughout the day. In fact, that is... Their perfect time of the day, ninety percent of the time, about ninety percent of our, our sessions are done in that middle of the day period. So, if you're a personal mm. trainer and you want more clients, or your gym owner want more clients, jump onto WeFlex, register, and we will start sending you clients. We'll teach you how to look after these people with disability, how to give them an incredible service. We'll handle all the NDIS, all the compliance stuff for you. All you got to do is what you're good at, which is train these guys, care for them, and help them get the result they want. So to make it as simple as possible for the gym owner or personal trainer, they register for WeFlex. Yep. They is it a course, a program, a curriculum? Like how long does it take to go from registering to being sent to a client? Yeah, so it depends on um, how quickly you get it done pretty much. We've had some people do it within three days, right? And it's not three full days. It's like a couple of hours each day type thing. All you need to do is you need to go through and do the WeFlex curriculum, which takes you approximately four hours. That's where it'll be, somewhere in that vicinity, depending on how quick you, you, you learn and read and all that sort of stuff. Some people will be more. But then after that, you just need to go in and it's literally a couple of steps. I won't go through the whole thing. 
but it's yeah. literally a couple of steps. It's so freaking easy. And then when you work with these clients, like our clients are epic. So every trainer with WeFlex says the same thing. These are my favorite clients. This is the best part of my day. And then on top of that too, from a business perspective, these clients will be with you for life because mm-hmm. there's an emotional bond and there's an attachment there where... Yeah, they, 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 they're not changing the city they live in. They live there. A hundred percent. And because they love working with you because the WeFlex sessions are the highlight of their week every single week. And it's such an amazing thing to do. It's so cool for everyone. Yeah. Super cool. And from from the back end of WeFlex, a trainer sending you videos of them training clients, their, their results. Because like, the other thing too is like, I guess the job of WeFlex is to get these clients like fit outside the gym. Yeah. And and that's amazing to take someone off the couch, help them lose weight, and then go on do other adventures that they never thought they could do or thought was possible. Yeah, this is one of the few times in the you know how everyone in, fit, in the fitness industry says this thing is life saving, right? You know, come yeah. over. This is life yeah. change. You got life changing results. Got to do those hit. Got to do those hit sessions. hundred uh, percent. Hit sessions changed my life. Well, in Weeflex case, this actually is life changing. Actually, is it's one of the times where it's not bullshit and you genuinely change lives. And I'm curious by nature like are you are you training fine motor skills are you training gross motor skills are you just helping them literally have a a better social life i know every single client is different but where do you see the biggest benefit for the actual disability client you know what that's that's probably a question for melissa who's our head trainer um that's a bit beyond me i'm just i'm just the business guy just make this thing hum my job is to come in and make sure that as many clients are cared for that we're hitting everything compliance wise and we're delivering an incredible service but yeah she'd be able to she'd actually be a good person to get on because she's incredible this chick's got 20 years of disability experience and 20 years of fitness industry experience she's Mm. unreal and she's smashing it um so yeah she'd be a good person to ask about that so i asked you a question 10 minutes ago about your summit your purpose and you just lit up on fire with this passion that you have for weflex we just chatted for 10 minutes about your summit your purpose someone that doesn't have a summit doesn't have a purpose what was the step-by-step process you would take one of your clients from zero to hero and turn them into a high performance man is there what is the first question you ask yeah so the first thing um that that i always ask is just really broad and it's like what are you here for what do you actually want right when i'm working with someone and really understanding what the goal is and then what we do is we clarify and probe. And I'll literally spend with these guys, some of them, months on finding out what they want. I've got a young sales rep who's absolutely crushing at the moment, who I, who I still coach. His name's Geos from the, the US. And we are still refining his summit. And we've been working together six months. And you should see how much this guy's crushing it. Like he's absolutely dominating it. He doesn't have his summit 100% right yet but it's better than what it was. And his clarity on his summit versus his income, it's like it's directly proportionate. The more clear he gets, the more money he makes. Uh, he's, he's absolutely smashing. Another guy, guy of mine, Cole, uh, he's got a phenomenal business working in uh, manufacturing of, of trucks and he does a lot of um, auto electrical uh, servicing. Um, and he's put on, I think it's like 400 grand this year. He's increased it. And it's literally just the same thing. What is the goal? What are you working towards? So it's just about continually going in and looking at what is the goal and then asking really effective questions about that to keep it going down. Like my job as a coach, when I coach people, um, is, is just to ask questions and to bring out what's already in your brain. The answers are already there. 
we just don't know how to find them and you need someone external to be able to bring them out for you. Does that make sense? 100%. One of the biggest things I've gotten from our relationship is just the ability to have a conversation Mm. and I will say something and you're like, hang on, back up a minute. Like, what do you mean by that? Mm. And it forces me to think and expand and I get clearer and clearer and clearer. And then you will just shatter a belief. Like the other day I said, James, I think we're going to 10X the ad spend. He said, why don't you 50 exit? And then instantly my brain thought, well, why don't I 50 exit in every single state in the US? Yeah. And it's just amazing just how conversations and questions can change everything. That truly, truly is. Totally. This is, I had the same thing the other day. And I get this done for me as well. I pay a shitload of money to a shitload of people to help me out with this stuff. And um, one of the questions was just around the time frames for WeFlex. It's like, well, why don't I hit our three-year goal, you know, at six months? Why don't I just do that? Like, why not? Um, so, yeah, having someone there to actually ask those questions. Having And this, you go back to the network. Like, when you have a good network, this is what you talk about. And you, every single conversation, like, imagine this. Imagine every single conversation. I mean, you know about this, but, like, every single conversation changes your perspective, makes you push harder, uh, makes you go faster. We look at the, the wealth divide, right? You look, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. The reason is because the rich are hanging around rich people and the poor are hanging around <laughs> poor people, right? That's why yeah. you're going to get this continually growing wealth gap. Because if you think that, you know, Elon Musk, look at his kids and the opportunities they're going to have and who they're going to be talking to. Of course, there's a higher likelihood of them making a shitload of money, you know, um, compensating on top of the money they already have uh, versus someone who's poor. And some of the guys who we've worked with and coached over the years have broken out of this. But you talk to them about their childhoods and it's like, Mum's an alcoholic, dad's an alcoholic, uncle, aunt, all my friends are into drugs, so-and-so's in jail, all that. And you're like, how the fuck are you ever meant to get out of that? You know? Yeah, of course. Just having the perspective and having these high-level conversations and someone to ask you, well, why don't you do 50 times more? Yeah. And if someone, if you're defining your summit, defining your goals, and then you share your goals with someone who hasn't got the same goals as you, they're not going to have that perspective to ask that quality question to get you to expand your thinking of what's actually possible. And that really is like, it's probably the biggest thing that, that I get from my network. It's just like, I share with them my ideas, I brain dump, and they're like, Jamie, you're an idiot. That's a good idea. 50 exit. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of it. Yeah. Simple, right? Yeah. I was talking to a, a mutual friend yesterday about how much money we're spending on ads for our done for your everything service to acquire clients. And I was embarrassed to tell him the number. Yeah. So low. Yeah. <laughs> I literally thought, ooh. The, pro- pro- the problem with a, with a good offer, right, is that everyone wants to buy it and you can't spend any money on ads. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So, mate, let's say someone is sitting down. The other thing, too, is with goal setting. Occasionally, all of a sales rep come to me. So like, what do you want to earn? What do you want to accomplish? And I say, don't give me an answer because you don't know it. You need to go away and actually think about it. Hmm. So say someone listens to this podcast, I'm setting goals for 2024 and they start defining their summit, defining their, their purpose, their reason why. Like, do you have a, a health goal, a wealth goal, a relationship goal, and a spiritual goal? Like, how, how, how would you do it particularly? How would I do it f- for me? Uh, yeah. Because working it out. Sit down and actually spend some time with yourself. Um, if we look at the how mature people are these days, you, we can go back and we can look at videos and see how children who are 18 years of age used to respond to questions, you know, 50 years ago, however, whenever they first had video. It's from like the 60s and the 70s. You see how they respond to questions when they're 18. 
versus how 18-year-olds respond to questions. 18-year-olds now were, you know, asking all the most ridiculous shit. Am I a cat or not? Right? That's the sort of questions they're dealing with. Whereas 50 years ago, they're dealing with real life stuff, right? Um, and and it's quite profound. The difference between the two times is that uh, we these days are constantly stimulated and we never actually have any time. We never make any time to sit with ourselves. So the first step is go meditate. Go actually have an honest discussion with someone. Go talk with your partner. Go talk with your parents. Go talk with whoever. And actually get to know what you want, what you do and what you don't like. Um, go and get a coach, you know, all the, uh, all the JCF boys. I'm no, no longer in, in JCF, no longer in the company that I ran, um, but the guys are still running it. You know, you've got Josh Hamilton, you've got Nick Von Pitt, uh, you've got Harry Orr, uh, Christian Ganji. Like, they're all great coaches. Go talk to one of those guys. That's what you should do. I'd highly recommend getting a coach um, and have someone to actually talk about it, but spend time and focus on it. Instead of going out and getting pissed, or like going and watching a movie or Netflix or some dumb crap like that that doesn't really get you anywhere. Go out and actually spend some time and getting to know yourself. Go and do a vision quest. Go spend three days in the bush. No food, yeah. right? No stimulation, nothing. Sit out it's there almost a run, It's up. almost a running joke. Like, I don't know what I want to do when I get older. Yeah. Well, you need to sit down and, and think about it and work it out. You look at the indigenous people that have walkabout, right? You go walkabout. Figure your shit out. That's literally what it was. Go walk around in the bush for a few days. Come back when you're ready, right? And actually figure your stuff out. And so why don't people spend time on their own? Because it's painful. And painful. And you always reference on previous podcasts, the man in the mirror. Mm. I would love to expand on that. Yeah. What do you mean by man in the mirror? And, and what if it is painful? Yeah, so the man in the mirror is the person that when at the end of the day, when you go and you look in the mirror, right, who do you see staring back at you? What do you think of that person? When you go and reflect on your actions for that day, do you like them? Do you not like them? When you reflect on your actions for the last year, do you like them? Do you not like them? And there's a lot of stuff that we do that we're not proud of. And so what we end up trying to do is we try to suppress them, right? So you look at any time you are chasing dopamine, you're inevitably trying to suppress some sort of feeling that is uncomfortable for us. Most of the time when we get a feeling of discomfort, we numb it. For example, you get a headache, what do most people do? Paracetamol. Exactly, straight away. Eat the fucking headache and find out why you got it in the first place, right? If you got a headache, you got a headache because you've done something dumb. Don't just numb the headache. Go and fix the problem. You're an alcoholic. Why an alcoholic? Because you've got some pain in there, some deep, dark stuff that you're not dealing with. And every time it comes up, it's easy to get a drink because you can numb it, right? And so we never actually sit with ourselves. We never go and stare and look at ourselves in the mirror and see what we actually think of ourselves because it's too painful and too uncomfortable. Too painful and too uncomfortable. In reality, you're just being a little bitch, right? Calling it there. Um, So go out and sit by yourself for a couple of days. Sit by yourself with a bit. Uh, this is why um, I had a client the other day to ask me about psychedelics um, and uh, uh, psychedelics are fantastic things. I mean, there's so much research now coming out on it. I mean, even the pharmaceutical companies have made their own versions of, of psychedelics, which are shitter and way more expensive, but Hey, that's the pharmaceutical industry. Right. Um, and so they're going and, uh, and, and everyone knows how beneficial these things are for breakthroughs with depression, with, anxiety with all these different different mental health issues essentially all the psychedelic does is it makes you go introspective and makes you think on what's actually happening inside it's, it's that simple it's just enforced meditation that is combined with pleasure with being pleasurable with, with the feelings of pleasure 
And so you can get that all without getting high. You can get high if you want to, no judgment from me. I'm the last person that can judge you on that. But you can just do this all the same thing. Spend some time with yourself. And that is exactly how you're going to get clear on what exactly you want and also who you are as a man, who you are as a woman, who you are as a person. And what if you discover that you don't like who you are? Change or it. you are in, change it. Change it. Don't discover your relationship's wrong and you decided that, you know, the only reason you're in it is because you settled. Work through it first. And if you can't work through it, leave it, right? If you're in an abusive relationship, leave that fucking thing straight away. If you're fat, you don't like it, get skinny. If you smoke, you don't like it, stop smoking. If you drink, you don't like it, stop drinking. If you're poor, you don't like it, fucking work. Simple. Goes back to having a good network. Because that conversation to have with yourself is difficult. But you have good people around you, good friends around you. They will fucking say it to your face. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, the fear, and, and the fear of others' judgment sometimes is worse than what you think of your own. 100%. 100%. And just even having the support, the, the, the weird, I guess you'd almost call it backhanded support, where if you're fat, Call someone a fat cunt. <laughs> call you a fat cunt, that help. <laughs> um, if someone's not doing enough at work, tell them they're lazy. Someone's being a shit dad, tell them they're being a shit dad. And having that comfortability within your friend group to do so, which is quite rare. I think one of the biggest things for me is just absolutely leading by example. As in like, I can't coach my sales guys if I haven't been a good salesperson. Totally. It comes from a place of incongruency. Yeah. So how do you how do you deal with that? Because you Another podcast you've been on, you talk about, well, you have a summit, you have values, but you're not being congruent to those. And that is where anxiety comes from. And that is where fear comes from. And that is where inevitably pain comes from. So you have a summit, you have values, you're off track. Is that the importance of having a coach? Is that ha- like the men in the mirror? Are you talking to that person every day? Do you have time in your calendar scheduled? How do you go about that? Yeah, it's, uh, I've been doing it for a long time. So at the start, you make it structured. Go and spend 10 minutes looking at yourself in the mirror and decide, what do you think? Go and spend 10 minutes, 20 minutes meditating and whatnot. And eventually after you do it for long enough, it just becomes a part of your life where I'm constantly doing it all the time. You know, if I'm not working, I don't have a task. And this is, I'm, I'm, I'm a big addict of YouTube. YouTube gets me, right? YouTube demons, right? And I start researching and learning about the economics of Argentina. Interesting, but not terribly helpful. And so that, that's my thing. And so becoming conscious and staying conscious of what I'm doing when I'm doing it and making sure that that YouTube time is spent on meditating, on doing qigong, on understanding what I actually want. What do I need to improve upon? Where am I? Am I happy? Do I enjoy this life right now? Um, and, and going at it that way. And then the other part is, as you said, is getting a coach, having someone to kick your ass, paying someone to do it. There's something very valuable in paying someone to, to help you because you value their opinion so much more, particularly when you're paying. So always pay, always pay, as well as also having that good friend group who is around you to kick your ass and support you. How often do you look in the mirror and not like the person you see? Or how often do you feel that you're off track? I fucking and- love my life, dude. <laughs> I love my life. We have a, I run a, a group call. Um, so I guess it's probably every week that I do that. We run a group call on Friday, 8 a.m. with a bunch of, um, of, of JCF clients. Um, and even though I'm not a part of it, I just love doing it. So we just, we still do it every Friday. Um, and uh, every, we go through our wins and we pretty much look at what are the wins in your life, in your health, wealth, relationships. 
And I get to look at that every week. And every single week, I have the coolest wins and everything is going incredibly well. Love it. Absolutely love it. There are definitely times where I don't like things that I do. I've got a tendency to be be quite harsh uh, and quite mean. And so continually working on that, when I find something I don't like about myself, acknowledge it, right? Forgive it. Understand that there's a reason why I've acted that way. And then from there, just fix it. Become really conscious of it. Acknowledge that I do it. And then find out, well, how can I? make it so that I don't do this anymore and I can, you know, improve this trait. And Have you what? heard about the Solomon's Principle? Hermosi talks about it a lot. I haven't, no. It's amazing. So it was, a, it was a, a person who was unbelievably good at giving advice, but they had a fucking terrible life themselves. Yeah, yeah I've seen so many of them. Yeah. And the idea Every is... coach ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the idea is, is that you can actually give better advice than what you do. And the idea would be, so what Hermosi does, the Solomon Principle, is he has a, a chat with himself every Monday morning and he talks to Solomon. And it is in Slack and he sends himself direct messages saying like, how do you feel about yourself this week? And then Solomon, the future self, the one who gives better advice, comes over the top and says like, well, I don't like this. <laughs> and it's such a powerful thing because like what a coach does is like, you know what to do. Like, fundamentally for the most part you know what to do and it's just like you need someone to support you need someone there by your side you need someone to be your solomon i think it's ego more than anything man if you look at most coaches it's just ego i'm a coach i know absolutely everything i know better than this person you don't right (laughs) we've just gotta there's always someone who's better than you at something so go out and seek that person and yeah you can do the solomon thing if that's if that's that works for you um, but I think a way better way, and Hormozzi should do this too. I'm pretty sure he already does it anyway. I'm pretty sure he has coaches. Go and get oh, a yeah. fucking coach. Get someone to hold you accountable. Someone you respect, someone you admire. Go and get that person and learn from them. Pay them a fuckload of money because it's going to be worth 10, fun, 10 times over. So we both agree coaching is one of the most important things in life. What yeah. is also a skill is choosing the right coach. 100%. So- Today, how do you go about choosing your coaches? Uh, going back to the very first things, I look at who has a life that I admire, right? I will not be coached by someone who is a total workaholic or someone who goes, you know, I'm anti-woke, for example. I hate all this woke fucking bullshit that's going on at the moment. I'll never be coached by a woke coach. The reason being is because your coach will influence your perspective in a lot of ways. And the perspectives you take on, for example, in business will end up showing into other areas of your life. I've seen so many instances where a guy's really successful at business, takes on a bunch of coaching clients, coaching clients come in, they do really well with their money, and they get fat. Right, they get unhealthy. They start doing drugs. They start partying. They start doing whatever ends up ends up happening. Relationship goes to crap. All those sorts of things. So always make sure that your coach has what you want holistically. There's no point getting business advice from a workaholic if you don't want to be a workaholic because you know what they're going to tell you: just work more. Right? Yeah. No point yeah. in getting business advice from someone who you know wants to make you know billions and billions of dollars and whatnot because they're going to be playing a bigger game right choose someone who's specific to you and has the traits that you like yeah Um, one of the biggest things for me is like putting putting false idols on pedestals yeah like before you choose someone like the biggest thing for me mate is like do we have similar values totally do we do we treat people the same way? Do we expect to be treated a certain way? Do, are there lines that we will not cross in business? Do we have morals in business? And are there things that we're willing to do and things that we're not willing to do? And as you mentioned, if you chase the wrong coach, you'll end up doing the wrong thing. Totally. The values is a very succinct way of putting it. Make sure you choose someone that has the same values as you. 
And then after that, once you've found that they've got the right values, make sure they're actually competent as well. There's lots of people these days who'll tell you that they're good. Um, and there's very few. I mean, look at how many competitors you have in your niche. How many are actually good? Yeah. You know? it's, un- it's unbelievable, mate. Like, like since like there's so many marketing agencies for gym owners, like there is Jeez. hundreds of them. And they just set up one Facebook ad, I run your ads for free, pay per show, and it's just absolute straight garbage. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a funnel hacking machine, mate. I go through all the funnels and like just little things like the booking link doesn't work. Just sure. stupid shit like that. Like, man, it's just, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Just like, <laughs> so with, with coaching, what is your biggest success story? You mentioned before your client that, that you've got off drugs 23 years. Do you have any others that you're, you're particularly proud on, proud of? Uh, oh, shitloads of dudes that haven't killed themselves. They're pretty cool. Um, heaps of guys. Uh, heaps of guys who've come off antidepressants. Heaps of guys who are off drugs. Um, there was one dude that was spending 20 grand a week on coke, right? 20 grand a week. Expensive habit. Very expensive habit. Lucky made a lot of money, right? Because he was spending yeah. a shitload off it. He, was a, he had a big car dealership. Uh, and we got him down to five grand a week, right? And that was within a, a, f- a few months. And then eventually after that, he pretty much went to nothing. And he also got visitation rights to see his kid. Um, oh, that's so was, cool. That was cool as fuck. Um, that was really cool. Uh, we've, had, we've had guys, you know, one guy was pretty much broke when he started working with me. And now he's got uh, a business that's turning over, must be 50 million a year, something like that. 50 million. Um, yeah, 50 million a year. Um, and he's got to start up another one, which is on track to do similar numbers in a, in a few years. Um, so he's crushing it. Uh, another guy, yeah, mentioned another one, added I think it's 400 grand this year uh, in profit. Um, uh, so like there's a loads, loads of just, because I mean, there's 6,000, right? I can't pick one. Yeah. Um, and I work really intimately with a lot of these guys. But the coolest ones for me, the things I enjoy most are, most importantly, it's, it's, it's people, guys who change their belief, a certain belief they have around it, a certain belief that I can't talk to my dad, I'll never have a good relationship with him or my mom or my wife or something like that. I'll never make any money or I'm broke now and this is tough. Uh, I'm always going to be fat. I'm always going to be on antidepressants. I'm always going to be on drugs, drinking, something like that. When they have a core belief which just sits there and they don't even know the belief exists. They just know that the problem exists and then we actually get right to the crux and then when we fix that, it fixes everything. It's like this really cool cascade of everything getting better. So in your experience, do you think people have business problems? Or personal problems that show up in business? Personal problems that show up in business. Look, there's definitely a degree of tactics, right? You know what I mean? Um, Where you need to get specific sales and marketing advice. There's a reason why you have a job, right? Um, The reason why I have a a job. Um, But there's most of the time it's just personal problems. They're the biggest things, the biggest limitations. Like, for example, uh, I dealt with a guy... Um, who was pretty much, you know, drowning his business. He ended up having to leave and the business did phenomenally well when he left. Um, it's up like, it's, it's up a lot in a few months. Uh, and pretty much his whole belief was that he wanted to micromanage everything. He wanted to be the star of the show. Uh, and it was incredibly important that it was all about him, 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 him. Um, he did some horrible things. He backstabbed employees. He threw people under the bus, created a terribly toxic environment. As soon as he left, the whole organization changed. And so with that, was that a business issue? No, that was just a person issue. And until he fixes that, he's going to be a cancer in every single thing that he ever does. 
Mm, it's so interesting. Yeah. With, with beliefs, what do you see the most common that successful entrepreneurs face? There's actually a lot of data on this. Um, the first one is a belief that you're inherently better than everybody else. Right? That's the first one. Second of all is a belief that you're not worthy. Right. Uh, and there's a third one that I'm, it's escaping me at the moment. Um, but it's pretty much like everyone oh, else is shit. It's de- de- delayed gratification. It's delayed, yeah, that's it. Delayed gratification. Right. It, the ability to delay, delay gratification. I know that's not really a belief, but, um, uh, those are the three key traits of, I think, most billionaires. And then along, along with that as well, high sex drive. Um, that's another, another big one that's been. Is there data on that? Yeah. There's data on that. Yeah. Raging sex drives. That's why so many billionaires are creeps. Right? <laughs> just high testosterone. You look at yeah, and they don't channel it well, and you know, and there's all this, and it's all, it's more the dopamine stuff, really. I mean, if you look at uh, Americans, are disproportionately successful, were disproportionately successful. They're getting very, very watered down now with the rise of certain people. Um, but like, they they were inherently a hugely successful company, a country, and um, they have a mutation in the dopamine receptor, the dopamine the, the second dopamine receptor, second variation of it, they have a mutation in it, which means that they are uh, highly, highly dopamine responsive, which means that they are able to delay reward very well and they get a huge amount of gratification from delaying reward and from achieving large rewards. That's why the Americans crush it. And that's when like you just never have enough. You need more. Exactly. And more. Which in itself leads to a whole heap of its own problems. How do you deal with what is enough? Stop thinking about you, right? Look at like, I got a house, I got a car, right? I wear the same shirt. I, I don't buy clothes, you know. I can buy anything that I fucking want, you know. Um, I still drive the same car I drove 10 years ago because it gets me from A to B. It's just a jiu-jitsu vehicle. It drives me from here to jiu-jitsu and back. I don't need to buy a Bentley, right? I can. I can buy Rolls. I can buy anything I fucking want. Who cares? Um, but I don't need to. It doesn't do anything for me. So... And did you learn that over time to not make it about you? Uh, yeah, Did you definitely. want those things? Did, did young James want those things? Fuck yeah, man. James, young James loved it. Look, even James now still likes stuff like that. I think, don't think you ever stop liking it, but if you place greater importance on other things instead, um, it's much, much cooler. Like what actually matters to me in the end of the day? If I never owned a Bentley, would I care? No. If I never got to see my kid, would I care? Yes. If I never bought 10 houses worth however much each, would I care? No. If I saw somebody, um, you know, uh, we, we did a bit of work with a couple of charities around um, and one of which is really cool, um, which uh, helps young mothers. So young mothers who are mothers that are, you know, 13 up to 20 type thing um, who never got to finish high school, it helps them. The, the program helps them finish high school. If I went and spent all this money on myself, but I didn't go and put it into something like that, would I feel good at the end of the day? Probably not. But if I went and I contributed to a cause like that, if I could help with either my time, talents, networks, or money, um, would would I feel good out of that? I'd feel, feel pretty fucking great. Yeah, uh, mate. I, I never spend money on myself, but I spend money on Ellen like it's going to expire. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather give someone a gift. My only guilty pleasure, mate, is I am an absolute tech fiend. Yeah. But it makes me more productive at work. That's why I do it. 100%. And dude, there's nothing wrong with spending money on yourself. Fuck, I'm going to buy a heap of cool shit for myself. It's just not a high priority. Uh, and then recognizing what's your priority and what's not. 
That's huge. So you make it sound so simple to recognize your priorities. And it all comes back to the start of the conversation. Like, what is your summit? What do you actually want? And as I mentioned, it's a laugh. It's a running joke. I don't know what I want to be when you grow up. It's pretty yeah. important to figure out what you want to do. Yeah. And you will never grow up until you know what you want to be. Repeat that, mate. I said, you'll never grow up until you know what you want to be. I've never heard that expression before. What does that mean? It means that if you don't, you look at people who don't know what they want to be, they're children still, lost. And when you are absolutely clear, have you ever met a man who's like clear on a mission, knows exactly what he wants? Yep. It's a, that's a man, right? Whereas if you have someone who's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, that's a child. It's a difference. I think we may be having some connection issues, mate. I think we are. Dodgy news or internet. It's all good. Mate, we're wrapping up. We're running late. I finish every podcast the same, mate. James, what is one question I should have asked you that I didn't ask you? I don't know. I'm pretty deep, man. I liked it. I think you did pretty well. Putting me on the spot. You probably should have asked me if I actually have a good internet connection.